You're listening to the Multiverse Fancast, proud member of the Misfit Faction Media Network. All right, then. On with the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Multiverse Fancast. Don't forget, if you guys are listening to us on the go, you can find us on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and basically anywhere you get your podcast. You can also find more of our content on our website, themisfaction.com. There you find links to not only this show, but some of our other shows like Cinematic Adventures and MF Uncensored, which has very recently been a featured podcast on Podbean. So a big shout out to MF Uncensored and me, because I do the work. Shut up, Ronnie. Speaking of which, we also have in the studio besides me, Paul, Ronnie. Ronnie, how are you today? <laughs> He's not going to talk now. I was doing good. <laughs> My self-esteem Somebody's is really got good. an inflated ego. Yeah, so guest guest hosting today. Sean, Sean, how are you? Oh, I'm just great. I know I'm not wanted, so you know I'll just... I'll just he just didn't leave. I just didn't leave. I'm yeah. very comfortable right now. So, now, Sean, are you ready to talk about what we're going to be talking about today? Batman vs. Superman, how the movie is just a treasure. Okay, I'm about to lower your microphone. Can we do that? Are we really talking about that? Is it opposite day? Dang it. No, we are happy, A, to have Sean. We are also happy that Roddy's here. And yes, MF Uncensored was a featured podcast on Podbean, so very exciting for all of us. Who yes. all that, is, put that in, is excellent. Yeah, who, you know, we put in a lot of time and a lot of work to all of our shows, so just to get some recognition is always really cool. So thank you to Podbean. Well, you two for, do most of the work, so. You are the face of the operation. <clears throat> Not yeah. really. You are the beard of the operation, because you have the best facial hair out of all of us? He's the only one with facial hair. That's why. No offense. That's fine. <laughs> but, you know, someone has a job that won't allow facial hair, and the other one, I don't know about you. you Remember know? when Ronnie went through his goatee face? I missed that. Not yeah. Really. I'm going to po- I'm gonna post some pictures. Goatee. Yeah, I'm going to oh, find yeah. some pictures. Yeah, no. The, the was there like a special night between you two that you saw this? Like, I don't remember it at all. He yeah, had it for it like... kind of like a Bobby Valentine type thing. <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand that reference. If you know sports, you know what I'm I, I know oh, exactly sports. what you're talking about. <laughs> but anyway, so we are uh, we're in the midst of the next phase of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and that's fair. And so it's really weird when DC had a better year than Marvel. And that's not saying much. That's yeah. not saying much. So we have Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania coming up in about, at time of recording, in about three. two weeks, two, three weeks. Yeah. Is it just me or does Quantumania sound like, you know... An episode of Spongebob. Well, the best is in the second movie where he he specifically says, do you guys just put quantum in front of everything? So (laughs) what we decided to do is we were going to take a little look back at Ant-Man and the story of the character thus far, his movie appearances, and kind of what we expect for Quantum Mania. So let's start at the beginning. When uh, when I say Ant-Man, if I could actually say it apparently, Ronnie, what are your first thoughts? Tiny, small, black and red, carpenter. It's a type of ant. Oh. <laughs> Jesus. It's going to be a long night. I can't believe you didn't know where I was going with that. Apparently I'm but, guilty of it too. I don't know where I'm going half the time either. That's fair. <laughs> no, but in all seriousness, this movie and really Ant-Man in general is a gem mm-hmm. to the MCU. You know, I, in my opinion, both of his movies are good movies. Not great. Doesn't really blow it out of the water anything like that blow you away you know but they're good solid movies and just his character he's so likable and that i think is a testament to paul rudd Mm -hmm. to me paul rudd almost can like do no 
no bad things, you know, do no evil. He, everything I feel like that he's in is amazing. So to me, Ant-Man is a nice little bright light in the MCU. And this is kind of the only thing that the MCU has done and kind of going to do until maybe that is the only thing I'm really kind of excited for. That's fair. Sean, what about you? Initial thoughts on Ant-Man? I just think of Paul Rudd because, I mean, I'm, I don't know enough about the comics to know much about the character of Scott Lang before they cast Paul Rudd. So just when I hear that name, I'm like, it's Paul Rudd. Mm-hmm. So th- that's really where I go with it. Same thing with the Michael Douglas character, Hank Pym. I know Hank Pym is the original Ant-Man, but Paul Rudd, as Ronnie said, is just like so, I guess, such a gem you know, it's yeah. just, he's really taken over that character, and as running, it's same. It's it's really like the only thing I'm honestly really looking forward to from Marvel really this year. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, Guardians, I guess, but eh, yeah, yeah, whatever. There's just I'm just kind of like blah on the whole comic book, not Marvel, not just Marvel, not just DC, the whole comic book thing. I just think it's getting tired out. I'll be honest. And that's why he's not on the show that much. Well, this one I'm fine with. <laughs> so for me, um, so I, I was very, I was vaguely <clears throat> familiar with Ant-Man in the comics. Like Ant-Man and the Wasp were founding members of the Avengers and they, they were part of the original lineup even before Captain America was part of it. So Hank Pym was always kind of like a mainstay and he, he's had some stories in the comics. He like, there was one famous one where he hits his wife. Like, and it was like a whole big thing about domestic violence and that stuff. So he's gone through a lot of stuff. So I, I had a little bit of familiarity, but not much. I was never like, oh, got to get the new Ant-Man comic, mm-hmm. Tales to Astonish. So when they this movie also, the first one, had a little bit of controversy behind it because Edgar Wright was originally supposed to direct. Oh, that's right. I forgot and about that. he did all this test footage. And some of the test footage actually made it into the film, the scene of him going through the hallway and then he, mm-hmm. like, grabbing the guy's tie and flipping him. So... Originally, he was supposed to do it, and then it just it started getting really dicey. He's the first one, really, the first director where you started to see how Marvel, if Marvel doesn't get their way, they they, they split with the yeah. director. So right, <clears throat> they pushed it off so Wright could actually write up one of Sean's favorite movies, The World's End, so he can finish that up. Yeah. So it's a good movie. I it's know. not one of my favorites, but it's I a good know. movie. I'm your chops. I know. Just saying. I, th- I feel like you've warmed up to that movie a little bit. I honestly <laughs> haven't seen it since we saw it in theaters. Yeah, yeah anytime I want to watch it. Yes. Yeah. The other two are so much better. That's fair. Yeah. So, but again, it was the first indication that if a director was not going to follow the, the Marvel playbook, they were not going to be in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. We saw it with The Incredible Hulk is where it kind of started with the creative stuff. And then uh, Terrence Howard departing. Like that was, those were yeah. the first seeds, yeah. but this was the first time a director really had an issue with Marvel because otherwise it was just the actors. Yeah. So... We get this movie though. It comes out, and we we enjoyed it. I remember at the time because it. I think we actually strangely enjoyed the smaller stakes of it. It is a heist movie. It was something different for the MCU, yeah. and I think that they still hold up in terms of the grand scheme of things. I, if Ant Man's on like TBS or anything like that, I'll watch it. There was no really overarching <clears throat> major storyline with this movie in terms of how it related to. The phase, whatever phase it was in at the time, so it just felt separated from you know the craziness that was going on in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and it just kind of had that standalone feel to it. Now, of course, you do have the the cameo of Falcon, which is still yes. fantastic, is great, oh, yeah. and you know, and then obviously we we see more in when he appears in in Civil Captain War. America: Civil War. But again, it just felt like this movie was a little bit. 
I guess like Guardians. It's just it's it's it does the, its, it's off the beaten path. It's, yeah. It does its thing. It's not looking to you know break any you know standards of how you make a movie. It was as you said, it was a heist movie. And I it was... I also find that this movie does a really good job at being a solo film, <clears throat> but still having the right connections. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I still remember when we were in the theater and he's dropping out of the airplane to go steal that part. And then you see it's the Avengers compound. We we all lost our minds. We're like, oh my god, yeah. that's so cool. And then obviously Sam Wilson pops in. We're like, yeah. oh my god, it's the you know our seventeenth favorite Avenger. Yeah, <laughs> we're even the beginning with the uh, the DH Michael Douglas and the, yeah. the interaction still well with done. Uh, really well yeah. done with Tony Stark's father and uh, Haley Atwell and yep. then the other guy. And yep. I thought that was a great little nod to where Shield was. Mm-hmm. I just I know we've had the the Agent Carter series and we've had Agents I, of Shield. I, I want that. I want a a flashback. You know, I want a movie with with those with Hank Pym, young Hank Pym, and mm. and you know Agent Carter again, and yeah, and Tony's father. I just kind of want to see where that goes. I know you're not going to get Tommy Lee Jones back as the general, but no, no, but uh, I, I I'd enjoy it. The beginnings of the beginnings of Shield. Yeah, you know, I know it all goes to hell, but hey, <laughs> <laughs> Hydra, Hydra. But let's go through the cast of the first one because we're not going to do that for some of his other appearances, just because sometimes he's part of a big ensemble and we don't yeah. need to do that. So obviously Paul Rudd, we we've all discussed as Scott Lang, very likable. He's he's a criminal, but as per comic book standards, he's a criminal who's very good looking, shredded, <clears throat> and a genius. He's yeah. got a, a what a master's in electrical engineering or something like that. Something like that, yeah. I actually found that hilarious, where he's like, "I have a master's in electrical engineering. I, I'll be fine. Yeah. Welcome to Baskin Robbins." <laughs> Like he's he's just a down on his look every kind of he he's a character that we can really root for. Yeah. You also tend to forget how smart he is, especially in the second movie, yeah. where everybody else is just way smarter than he is in different regards. But I find that he is probably the most relatable oh yeah superhero in this. But Sean, what are your thoughts on Paul Rudd as Scott Lang? Again, as I said before, I don't know enough about the character in the comics, so I don't know what his mentality was in the comic books, but and this is nothing against Paul Rudd, but when I watch the movie, I'm just like, it just feels like Paul Rudd playing himself. Yeah. yeah. That's not a knock on Paul Rudd. I thoroughly enjoy anything Paul Rudd does, but like, I don't know if you guys watched the TV show Murder, Only Murders in the Building. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. At the end of season two, oh, Paul Rudd cameos, and he's yes. going to be a big factor in season three. And I'm just like, okay. But again, it's just, it's, it's Paul, Paul Rudd. Rudd. I have yet to see a movie where Paul Rudd plays a character where it's like, oh, that's not... I can't remember if that was Paul Rudd or not. Like that's yeah. my thing. So I like him. He's just very likable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's it's hard not to like Paul Rudd. Yes, <laughs> you know. I feel like he's just like a really nice guy. That's too. the thing. Yeah, just... I mean, like it's really hard not to like Paul Rudd. So you like the character. And I'll even say like his, one of the best scenes is him in Endgame when he comes back mm-hmm. and yeah. he's in a frantic like pace trying to find his daughter well, yes. that was i thought he was i thought that was he great. flexed his chops yeah. there yeah, yeah that like was he, very good yeah so but he's very similar to robert downey jr like i like robert downey jr yeah so you like tony stark mm-hmm. you know if it was a mm-hmm. not likable actor playing the character you probably wouldn't like the characters yes. much but you know yeah what about you ronnie just kind of reiterating what both of you said i think you know paul rudd of scott lang is amazing i think this was a nice fresh start to everything leading up from this point on to the end of that phase and everything and you know it's to me this movie is almost kind of like a oceans 11 type movie oh very much you know what i mean like and like his character is very much like um george clooney's character in oceans 11 yeah i I could see that i could i could definitely see that kind of reference i I mean i think i think it's great 
you know, the chemistry between him and Evangelie Lilly. Yes, thank you. I always forget what her first name is. I, I think it's great. You know, their on screen chemistry and all the <clears throat> movies that they're in. So it's, let's let's go on to Evangelie right. Lilly because she also is she has the notable um like I don't know, best like it's notable that she is the first female superhero in the title card. Like yes. as far as a movie's titled, she's the only one that is a female before Black Widow. Before Black Widow, yeah, yeah. So she is she's the character that sh- like in that movie she should have been Ant Man. Yeah, like she's she's strong, she's independent, she's you know headstrong. She's a lot like her mother, who you know we find out was lost to the quantum realm. But Hank Pym does not want her to be it. That's why yeah. he picks Scott Lang because he's expendable. Yes, he's got something to lose, and he feels that he can be redeemed. So. You get the Wasp in the second movie, but in this first movie, she's just, you know, she's just hope. Yeah. I think she's a great foil for Scott, and then you get to watch... Their relationship feels very natural, very organic yeah. as it grows, because, like, it is the trope to put the, the good-looking guy and the good-looking girl together, but I feel like in this movie, it feels a little bit more earned. Yeah. It, it's not just, oh, they're too good-looking. They're, they're going to be together like it was supposed to happen. Like, mm-hmm. no, she dislikes him. Yeah. You know, at first, adamantly, you know, and then as the movie kind of goes on, she kind of, I, I wouldn't even say even at the end of the movie, they're not really, you know, like a love interest too. you know, he still just has the crush and she's like, I tolerate you now. Yeah. <laughs> you know, what about you, Sean? What are your thoughts on Miss Evangeline Lilly as hope um, in the first movie? In the first movie, obviously she comes off cause they do the nice little thing where you think she is against her father. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, and it turns out she's been, you know, basically spying for him this whole yeah. time. So at first, you kind of get this sense of, oh wow, she doesn't like her father. Like she does, truly doesn't like her father to the point where she's going to work for his enemy. Yeah. Then you get to that point. You, you get to, she's genuinely hurt that her father won't pass, you know, the science on to her and yeah. let her do what you know her mother. And he did when they were younger, but he has a general, you know, reason why he doesn't want to lose her, like he lost, you know, the mother. So you know, she's got this. She's very sure of herself, and you know, she she portrays her well. And you, you get, I feel like you get a little more of her in the sequel, character wise as well. But I, I liked her. I thought she was very, very good and in the role. And we mentioned Hank Pym a little bit. He's he's fun, or not fun. I guess he's like he's the curmudgeonly older guy, like. It's yeah. it's interesting to see a generational superhero because mm-hmm. you don't see he doesn't suit up in any of these movies. No. We get flashbacks of him a little bit as as yeah. Ant Man. I find it always interesting though when they show like he he explains he's like you know doing all this it does take a toll on you and mm-hmm. that's and then they explain you know that's why Darren Cross loses his mind because he doesn't yes. have the right protection against the pin particles. But you do see flashes of how like angry he is and how just like his short tempered, which is a nod to the comics. Mm-hmm. Um, but in all honesty, like Hank Pym's more there just to keep the story going. Mm-hmm. It's hilarious. Cause apparently he never saw civil war. Like he had no clue what civil war was about or anything about it. So when yeah. he went to come back and fill the, the sequel, he's like, Oh, I don't know why my characters mattered him. Like I have no clue what's going on in Germany. Yeah. But so we kind of, a lot of the actors do that though. Yeah. yeah especially yeah. with big franchises like this, especially older actors who like, this is like normal for them. Yeah. But we have one of uh, our favorite groups of characters. We have the, the ants. 
It, the answer. All right, we're gonna throw this out there. This is the, the first movie since Honey I Shrunk the Kids that I got upset at the death of an ant. Anthony. Yeah, <laughs> it was heartbreaking. Anthony, no. But we have Scott's <clears throat> Scott's team of Luis. Yeah, of the best criminals in the area. You got Luis, played by Michael Pena. I Harris as Dave. Let's see. I'm trying to find. They're not in order for some stupid reason. Why would David they be? Dash? Oh, I can't ever say his last name, but I love him so much. Dashmalchian. Yes, as Kurt, and I think there's one more. No, that's no. It. There was four, including. Yeah. So Luis is one of our favorite characters. I think. I think yes. that's a, a safe bet. His recaps are the funniest oh, thing God. in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I mean, they were. I think they were the highlight of the movie. Yeah. I truly do. And I think it was even funnier in the second one where he only, he only does one, yeah. but he's yeah. under the truth serum. Yeah. So he gets distracted halfway through because <laughs> I think he starts like saying it and it, it flashes back to the first movie and they do a really good job like recreating those scenes. But then I think Dave goes, he's like human jukebox. Yeah. Once you put the quarter in, you got to let the song play. And then he yeah. switches to talking about his abuelita, playing uh. just Morrissey. And for me, like they're, they're just a fun Again, this is this cast is very unique in the MCU. You yeah. get it a little bit in Captain America where he has the Howling Commandos, but they have very limited screen time. Yeah. These guys all have something to do. But what do we think of the XCON security team, as they're called in the second movie? I, I think they're great. You know, I, I think it was... It's weird because the whole movie is an action comedy movie. And... But for some reason to me, they're like the comedic relief, even though the whole movie is comedic. But. It's weird that Paul Rudd's not the comedic relief. Yes. Like he's he's funny in this movie and he's got great scenes. But uh, yeah, they, they steal the show when yeah. they're on it. What about you, Sean? Ronnie said it right there. I mean, they are basically are the comedic relief of the movie where mm-hmm. and, and it's <coughs> that's a challenge when you know, the whole movie has got a. A comedic vibe to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When Paul Rudd's the star of it. You're going to be it's going to be funny. And I think Marvel knew that. And, you know, to team him up with these guys and make them just as, you know, crazy as he is in terms and then just... With these, when he's the straight man to them? he's the straight yeah. man. When, when, a, when a good guy who's funny is the straight man, you know you're going to be... You're going to have a yeah. good team. You're going to have a good time. So let's talk about somebody less interesting. Corey Stoll as Darren Cross slash Yellow Jacket. He starts off interesting enough. You understand his motives yeah. for the most part. They shoehorn in a line, though, about him being affected by the particles. You could definitely tell it was dubbed in later because he goes full on like supervillain. Yeah. He, the best is like. He reminds me of the villain from the Green Lantern. A little bit. Yeah, <laughs> I could see that. Yeah. But apparently he's going to be in Quantumania. Right. As he's a Mo- good actor. I really do like him. I do too. And I want to see him do more. Yeah. But he's playing Modoc in. You huh. say that like I know who that is. So. Modoc has become much more popular in more recent times. They just did a show about Modoc, and he was vo- it was an animated one. He was voiced by Patton Oswalt, oh. so he's got a little bit of a following. And you see him in the trailer that came out, and it is some janky looking effects because basically Modoc is a giant head mm-hmm. with small hands and feet, and he floats yeah, like, around like like Krang. Yeah, yeah. I'll show you. I'll show you what Modoc looks like after this, but. <laughs> In this movie, he's very one-dimensional. Eventually, he turns into just the opposite of the hero. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I will say one of my favorite scenes in the Marvel Cinematic Universe is when they're having their fight on the, the train tracks. Yeah. And the Thomas the Tank Engine's coming out. And he's like, no! And then it cuts out like normal perspective. And it just goes, clank, and falls over. Yeah. But he's there. And then, obviously, he, he's not there anymore. Yeah. But apparently, he's coming back because quantum powers physics man any thoughts on yellow jacket that we want to throw out 
nothing again and that's a testament to the poor writing of marvel villains yeah again i think it was just more hey we need something but nothing too big we need a third act fight yeah when it's not the overarching villain of the phase i always feel all the villains are kind of like blah i think he was better as jeff bridges in in iron man mickey rourke in iron man 2 yeah Yeah. guy pierce in iron man 3 i mean you can name them all they're all like just not that great unless you get one exception you know captain america's winter soldier with robert redford yeah that was a great that was a great i even liked hugo weaving as red skull yeah yeah Yeah. i mean you know like he ate up the scenes guardians even guardians you could say that i mean ronan was very underwhelming underwhelming and even i thought kurt russell was a little he was good but it wasn't it was better it was better but But. so i think as an overall thing i just think marvel's single movie villains it's very creature of the week as you would see in like you know old school yeah old school smallville or supernatural you know so let's fast forward i know we're kind of jumping all over but the next the next time we see ant-man is in civil war and this movie tees it up like i'm pretty sure the the post-credit scene is the scene of when they have Bucky yeah. trapped, and they're like, "Oh, I know a guy." Yeah. So, yeah. and the, the ending scene's great too, where you know he, he does the recap, and they the first mention of Spider-Man in the MCU was in this. Yeah. When you see Sam Wilson talking to the reporter, she's like, "We got a guy that jumps, we got a guy that swings, we got a guy that crawls up the wall." Yeah. So, like that was the first reference to Spider-Man, but Civil War kicks off, and we don't see Ant-Man until halfway through. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he's <laughs> he does have one of the greatest fight moments in that entire well first of all i love how he fanboys over captain america yeah. so hard he's like oh, you're so big like all the way he's feeling his muscles and all that but he goes to giant man and that's still one yes. of the best scenes in the i guess that's the signal <laughs> but what do we think of ant-man in civil war we'll start with sean because he's not prepared oh thank you <laughs> i feel like he he was just there i mean it wasn't it didn't really add much to the story it was just they were each, you know, Captain America and and Iron Man were looking for whoever to join their side, and they were just trying to find whoever they could. Mm-hmm. And Falcon, you had the scene with Ant Man in the first movie, so it made sense that Falcon would recruit, you know, Scott. And so, other than that, it was just a, it was an enjoyable scene because you had everybody like going not seeing him ever before with the the powers of being able to be either big or small. Mm-hmm. So. That was about it. It was really just not you know, nothing too running. You know, he was the audience surrogate basically in Civil War. Like when, again, yeah. yeah. You know, like when Spider-Man, he, I guess you could say too, wouldn't he? Spider-Man was kind of also yeah. fanboying as a little bit. Yeah, he not was bit, with, yeah. with Captain America. He yeah. does not obey the laws of physics at all. But you know, I think just when he gets cap, not captured, but like when he's driven in the van, he gets out and he's like, ah. Oh, Oh, it's like yeah. Captain America. Uh, the best is he looks at Scarlet Witch. I know you, you too. too. You're great. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I I don't know. I just feel like if any quote unquote normal person was in that situation, I feel like that's how we would react. Mm-hmm. Like if we saw like our idol or whatever and we're like, oh my God, <clears throat> you're good too. But oh my God, it's you. You know, but again, I think when, when he was giant man or you know giant ant man or whatever i i think that that whole entire time was just i, I was dead from laughing so much i think you know? giant man was also the first example of how big they no pun intended how big them like they can go with characters yeah and it still looked realistic like it still yeah. looked like it could actually be happening yes for me though i always found that he was a good foil 
Like mm-hmm. he was able to add comedy. He was him and Spider Man were some of the best comedic choices. You know, Sam Wilson and, and Bucky get in their jabs too. Yeah. Everybody has like a moment of like, you know, I'm Clint. I don't care. Like they all had their moments of, of funny, but I feel like one of the best is when Scott throws Captain America the truck. And he's like, yeah. throw it at this. No. Oh, I oh. thought that was a water truck. Yeah. But like there's some great moments with Ant-Man. And obviously, like I said, him turning to Giant Man is just such a standout scene in that entire thing. Everybody's reaction is so adequate. Yeah. But it, the movie does end with him getting, the, you know, Captain America's team gets captured. And we find out that uh, he takes a deal. And we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we are talking Ant-Man and the Wasp. Hey guys, it's Paul, and the Misfit Faction is looking for your help. We are trying to grow not only our network, but also grow our brands, and the best way to do that is if you guys are looking to start your very own podcast. Maybe you guys have been listening to us for a while. Maybe it's something you guys have always wanted to do, but you're not sure how to get started. If you go to podbean.com slash misfitfaction, you guys will get a month of free podcasting on a set as a gift from us. So make sure if you guys are looking to start your own show, you reach out to us and go to podbean.com slash misfitfaction. Also, maybe you guys have your own online business or service. That you're always looking to grow, and advertising is a very big part of that. If you guys go to sponsorship.podbean.com slash misfitfaction, you guys can get $100 worth of free advertising, again, as a thank you from us to you guys. That's sponsorship.podbean.com slash misfitfaction. All right. Oh, wait, and my we headphones are... aren't back on. All right. We are back, Sean. I hate you. But uh, so now we're jumping into Ant-Man and the Wasp and then a little bit of Endgame talk and then just kind of what we hope to see in Mania. So we, we jump into Endgame and – or excuse me, Ant-Man and the Wasp. Quantum Sorry, Mania. I, threw, I threw you off there. I apologize. Yeah, you did. <laughs> Jimmy so, Woo. Jimmy Woo. Jimmy Woo. All right. So there are a couple of things I want to point out about this movie. So. We, Jimmy Woo, yes. All right, we'll start there. Jimmy Woo gets introduced, and he becomes a, a fan favorite. He becomes yes. a, almost like the next Coulson. Yeah. And then he, he kind of steals it again in WandaVision. Yeah. You know, and he finally masters his card the, tricks. Yes. Yeah. The close-up magic stuff is hilarious. Oh, yeah. Unfortunately, they never address it again. I hope they talk about it again yeah. in Quantumania. But we have Jimmy Woo gets introduced, and basically we find out that Scott took a deal where it's like, I think like a year or something of house uh-huh. arrest. And, you know, something turning like over that. any technology, yeah. blah, blah, blah. And Hank Pym. And, you know, something like that, yeah. yeah. And Hank and Hope are on the run because it was their technology that he used. Yes. So, and they're not about to take any deals or turn over their stuff. But the whole movie revolves around Ant-Man, or Scott, has a connection to Janet Van Dyne in the quantum realm. So, mm-hmm. we also, one of the things that I love about this movie are the family dynamics. We didn't even talk about Cassie and all them yeah. in the first one, but... He's still, you know, trying to create a relationship with his daughter, Cassie. And I love Paxton and what's his ex-wife? Oh, God. Judy Greer. Yeah. Uh, Maggie uh, is Maggie. the character. So yeah. I love them. And in the first movie, they were good, right? You know, Paxton's like the new stepdad and he's like trying to like protect his. But like the ex-wife and, and Scott have a, a, not a, they're almost like friends now at this point yeah. where she's like, get your life together. Like, and yeah. then we'll talk about it. Like, get, get on your feet. Yeah. But the best is Paxton, I think, is in love with Scott in the second movie. Like, he's, like, yeah. hugging him, and he's like, oh, my God, like, can't wait till you're out, buddy. Only a few it's more very, days. Uh, it's, yeah. It reminds me of the um, Judge Reinhold-Tim Allen relationship yes. in the Santa Claus. It goes it, from yeah. they don't like each other to Judge Reinhold becomes very, yeah. very fond of Tim Allen yes. in the second movie. Like, they're, like, best buds. Yeah. <laughs> so, it, very similar. Yeah. That, that solid reference from Cinematic Adventures yeah, over there. Yeah, okay. yeah. If you want more movie I'm references, cinematic check it out. Adventures. You, you are Cinematic Adventures. There yeah. is no Cinematic Adventures without you. 
I mean, I just press record. So we have in this movie, you know, Scott's just trying. I do enjoy the the montage in the beginning of him just trying to keep busy. So for me, what did what did you guys think about Scott in Ant Man and the Wasp, Roddy? Again, there's really nothing different between Ant Man and Ant Man and the Wasp with with him in terms of Scott. Yeah, yeah, in terms of Scott, you know. same character. He's doing the same exact stuff. The only difference is, is he's on house arrest. You know, like like I I love the was it the scene where him and his daughter are going down like the the tunnel yeah. in the in the beginning, right? They're doing like a heist kind of thing or whatever. You know, you, you so you see kind of more of his relationship with his daughter Cassie in there. But again, it's just it's the same thing. You know, he went from. A criminal to a superhero to back to a criminal in the government's eyes, you know, with the Sokovia Accords and stuff like that, mm-hmm. you know, but, and now he's, and then at the end of the movie, he's superhero again, because he gets taken off house arrest Yep, at the end of the movie. <clears throat> Sean, what did you think of Scott Lang in Ant-Man and the Wasp? You know, he's obviously, as we've said, he's taken the deal because he doesn't want to be, you know, obviously away from his daughter. He's been down that road before he doesn't want to do it again so he you know he knows that he's pretty much alienated himself from hank and from hope and he knows he's in in the doghouse as you would say with the two of them but i don't think he regrets his decision at all Mm. you know he you know he's trying to better himself with his daughter and i mean that's his number one priority is making sure that you know he has a relationship with his daughter so I like that aspect of the movie. And, you know, obviously he gets back into working with Hank and Hope. And, and as Ronnie said, he becomes a full-blown superhero, you know, at the end of the movie. Really taking into effect, you know, the powers that he has with the with the Ant-Man suit. Yeah. So for me, though, like, you watch this movie, and I hate to say it, but, like, I find Wasp much more interesting in this movie. Yeah, Evangeline right. Lilly takes on the mantle, which was teased in the first movie. And... She's badass. Yeah. yeah. Like the, the scene of her fighting all the goons in uh, the restaurant is still awesome. Like she's shrinking. She She's much more capable than Scott is, which is funny because like Scott's still very capable. Like he's yeah. still like, you know, he could, he could still scrap. But uh, I find that like it's kind of like when your sidekick gets better than you. Like yeah. the sidekick is the real hero. So what did we think about uh, Wasp in this movie? Because obviously she starts off. One of the best scenes is like how she, much she razzes him about, you know, oh, Cap. Yeah. That's what we call him, you know, Cap- Captain America. Yeah. And then like when his suit's malfunctioning, she's like, oh, if only Cap could see you now, huh? Yeah. But I found her much more enjoyable in this movie. Oh, yeah. Any thoughts on the Wasp in particular, Ronald? Yeah, no, kind of like what you said. You, in the first one, it was like, all right, she's there. Yeah, you she, know, she, she she's there. Okay, she's not anything special in the first one, but this one, she has a bigger role in it. You know, she's the wasp. She's fighting. She's doing the science stuff and all that and everything. You know, and, and then she has the whole storyline in it too because of her mom. Hmm. You know, she's we're gonna up, talk about her. Yeah, yeah, because you know, in this, like you said, he's got this connection to the quantum realm where you know janet van dyne right yeah one of the best scenes is when scott's like we thought uh, hank goes there might have been some quantum entanglement and scott looks at him he's like i would never do that that's your wife yes <laughs> yeah you know so i i think she has a story and i think almost like this is more 
of a movie for Hope Van Dyne than it was for Scott Lang and Ant-Man. I agree. What about you, Sean? Thoughts on The Wasp? Well, in this one, she's obviously, she's been handed down, you know, the, the mantle of the wasp. So she's definitely on that, a better relationship with her father. I think, I think it's out of necessity, honestly. Is, Being a fugitive will do that. We'll be, we'll do that. Um, so she, she has the notion of trying to save her mother throughout the movie. She's big in the difference of fighting. You know, I think it's a different form of fighting that she does in this movie than she does in the first one. And I mean, obviously, she's in the the Wasp characters in the title, so like you have to have her do a lot more. And I, I think they did. I think she was a huge aspect to this movie in terms of everything. Yeah, I think I think the two of them worked really well together. They they have very good chemistry. Mm-hmm. And I will say that this movie has one of the most gut-wrenching endings to it. Well, because I was going to say that. I mean, because this came out after Infinity War. Yes. yes. So we kind of knew. They make some references to what's going on in New York, I think. Like they oh, mentioned, they I, I think they mentioned at one point an alien, yeah. some sort of alien invasion. Okay, because I remember us going into seeing this. We were like, so this takes place before Infinity, Infinity War. War. Yeah. So yeah. we were like, okay, how are they going to interwove the two storylines? And yeah, that ending scene... Yeah, pretty much like the ending of Infinity yeah. War. I left you going like that sucks. There are three scenes in Marvel that always like even even seeing them like thousands of times, and it all involves the dusting. Those are always yeah. the hardest ones. You got the initial one. Mm-hmm. You got this one where Scott's like full on panicking. Yeah. Then you have the opening scene to Endgame with Hawkeye and his family. That's yes. the worst. That one's hard to yep. watch. Like we because we're all sitting there going, uh, "You heard in the in the theater." It got dead silent, and you just heard everybody go, oh. Yeah. When Hawkeye looks over, and you just see the dust, and he's like, where's my daughter? Yeah. But we're, we're jumping a little ahead. So we got introduced to Janet Van Dyne. Now, we saw her in a flashback, mm-hmm. but so, so not only did she survive the quantum realm, let's, let's talk some continuity issues. One, they established that she has aged in real time, even yep. though Scott went, did mild time traveling when he was trapped in the quantum realm. So maybe there's, I guess there's different levels of quantum realm. Paul, you've gone cross-eyed. I've gone (laughs) cross-eyed. And apparently, she still has makeup while she's down there. Because she is like... It's Michelle Pfeiffer. I was going to say, She don't need makeup. So I am... I think that's Catwoman, man. That is Catwoman. I think she is going to have an even bigger role in Quantum Mania because basically... We're going to see that she has some sort of... She had a life down there. I mean, she's yeah. not going to just stand there at the ending of Endgame and just do nothing? Well, uh, she went <laughs> to the funeral. But so we she's also... probably like, who the hell's funeral am I going to? I don't even know yeah, who this right? guy is. Oh, I'm sure she knows who Tony Stark is. She knows who Howard is. Yeah. But... Uh, well, she was gone before... She disappeared before Tony Stark ever became... Oh, probably, yeah. So. yeah. But I'm, they, they need to address her powers because she uses an ability on... Uh, the ghost, yeah, who is coming back for Thunderbolts. We're all really excited. Yay, ghost! I, I, yeah, but <laughs> again, villains not too great. Yeah. Which unless is unless it's the overarching storyline of the you know the whole thing. But I really liked Lawrence Fishburne in this. I did too, yes. but you know he wasn't really a villain. You kind of understood you know what he was doing. Yeah, yeah. He was more just like you know he he was it was basically just he was a rival. To him, it wasn't necessarily like a bad guy. He's like, I want to do the same thing. Yeah, but I want to do it for money. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but he just wanted to really help his like adopted daughter. The, yeah, well, because he, I think, was it he was he knew the the I can't remember something along those lines. Yeah, yeah. But it's funny because again, you have another example of I'm trying to copy these powers 
and cre- like we had it in the Incredible Hulk. You know, Abomination was created by not only you know a, a bad super soldier serum, but also the Hulk's blood. Like mm-hmm. they wanted to create their own Hulk. Yeah. You got this where you know Whiplash was because they wanted to create Tony Stark's Iron Man suit. You got this where you know you find out that Ava's parents were trying to create their own quantum technology and it exploded because it was dangerous. So you got some really good stuff in this movie. And like I, I still enjoy it. Like I can, if this is again, if it's on TBS, I'll watch it. It's got some yeah. great scenes. It's got good momentum, and you know, I, there's not much more to say about it because it's it's just like the first one where it's just it, it has an overarching connection, but it's really its own single. Its song. own single. Yeah. Obviously, it has the ending. At you know that ties it into the the events of Infinity War, and then obviously yeah. with Endgame coming right away after that. But yeah, you're right. It's it's again. It's really not yeah, tied anything. into any other storyline. It's, it's until it's, the very until the post credits. Well, that's it. Yeah. yeah. So let's talk about Endgame. So there was always a theory that Ant Man was going to be some sort of valuable part of Endgame, and obviously when the first trailer came out, like it ended with him reappearing. Like yeah. you know, it's you know, it's Ant Man. Can you let me in? Yeah. So we have him. He brings the the MacGuffin basically, or the the means for them to yeah. You know, well, we always thought because both him and Hawkeye don't appear in Infinity War, we were like, okay, they're going to be a huge factor. And then in Endgame, because why yeah. else? It just it felt like whoever wasn't in Infinity War was going to be a big factor in Endgame, and then whoever was in Infinity War was not going to be a big factor, right? In Endgame, yeah. I mean, you know, it just that's the way it was done, except for the main ones like Cap, Tony, and and Hulk. Yeah, so basically, like they even say that the reason that they lost against Thanos was because the Avengers were fractured. Like they yeah. weren't together, they weren't united. And Tony says it to him. He's like, you know, we said you said we'd do that together too. But um, I love Scott in in Endgame because again, he like even Rocket makes fun of him. He's like he's like a little puppy. Yeah, because he's like so excited. He's like space. Yeah. Or when Thor's doing his drunken ex- explanation of the ether, and he's just yeah. in there like smiling, like yeah. <laughs> and of course, the oh, best the- was, you know. You got to go to Vormir. It's a planet of death and destruction. It's where Thanos killed my sister, and it's dead silent. And he just goes, "Not it." <laughs> it's just well, perfect. Yeah. Is when he's the one that comes up with the whole time travel idea. Yeah. And and Tony's just like, "Are you really Back to the Futureing this yes. right now?" <laughs> We're in the theater going like, "Are they really going to do Back to the Future here? Yeah. Like, is yeah. this really where they're going?" Did you just call it a time heist? <laughs> yeah, I mean, but what like, else would you call it? And of course, you have the legendary line. That's America's ass. Yes. It is. It's so perfect, and it's so Scott Lang. It's so Ant Man. Yeah, I love him at the in the ending battle though, like yeah. when he goes Giant Man. Like you know, again, it's just the crescendo to the right before the Avengers assemble. But then, I mean, that's pretty much it. Yeah. Like, yeah. But as we said before, the scene where he gets out of the quantum realm and he's like, I don't know what the hell's going on here. Like yeah. he's seeing all these. He's legitimately scared. Yeah. He's terrified. I mean, it's it's very similar to like Marty McFly. Going into the alternate 1985, yeah. it's like, where the hell am I? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know, you come across the monuments of all the people that that blipped, and he's like looking. Looking for. I names. still can't figure out if his ex-wife and and the and the husband vanished because you never see him. Right. Yeah. But obviously, you know, Cassie is still there, and she's now aged five that is years. A, that is a gut wrenching scene. That's a, I mean, oh, like, yeah. it's a scene of like you're he's he's blown away. He's obviously happy that she's alive, but he's just like. What the hell happened? How long yeah. have I been gone? Like he even says like the kid because he's like he sees all like the missing posters yeah, and all these yeah. things. And he thinks it's only been four hours. Yeah, yeah. So like 
to come back to that and to be like, that. what the what? hell happened? Yeah. And, and, you know, when he's like, you know, when they fun, when he's at the gate of the Avengers campus and yeah. they're just like, is that, is that real time? And yeah. he's like, yeah, that's, that's happening that's right now. That's front gate. Yeah. <laughs> but he, he does a great job blending in with the Avengers. And I love that he has a podcast because apparently in Miss Marvel, they, re- they reference that Scott Lang is podcasting. Yeah. And that's how people know about what happens at, uh, during the Endgame battle. Yeah. So let's talk right now. We have his movie. The next movie's coming up in about three weeks. What are our thoughts on or expectations? Anything that we think about for this coming movie? I'll go first so you guys can have a, a minute to think. No. I don't want Scott Lang to die, but I think he's going to die in this movie. I think Ant-Man is, is going to meet his demise at Kang the Conqueror. They have to establish Kang as the next big bad, and the best way to do it is to just kill Ant-Man. I agree. Because he only signed on for three movies. Yeah, but in all honesty, like well, Tom, Hol- Tom Holland did too. Yeah. But they, they can always renegotiate that. But I, I think they're getting ready to pass that mantle on to his daughter, who's going to suit up in this movie, now played by Catherine Newton of Supernatural fame. Yep. Not the same girl from Endgame? Not the same girl from oh, Endgame. Okay. So I, I definitely think that Ant-Man is going to meet his demise. I think I could see the Pims <clears throat> going too. Hank and Janet maybe. Yeah. Or at least Hank. I can see Hank going too. But... I, I also I want, don't feel like Janet will go because you cast someone like Michelle Pfeiffer. I feel like you got to give her a little more to do, unless mm. she gets a lot to do in this movie, and then they kill her. I, I don't feel know. like this is going to be like kind of like how Wasp was more featured in Ant Man and the Wasp. I think that this is going to be a lot more of Michelle I, Pfeiffer in this movie. Yeah, okay. I, I'm just curious to see who Bill Murray's playing. Oh, he's in it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Bill Murray's in it. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. but any other? I also want. <clears throat> The end of this movie has to set up a couple of things. One, it has to set up Kang the Conqueror as the next big bad, because mm-hmm. that's what he is. I would also love if there's some sort of explosion from the quantum realm that activates people's X-genes. And so now we start to see mutants yeah. more commonly. I mean, again, I feel like everything you kind of said is going to happen. You know, I think Scott is not going to make the end of this movie. And I think you'll have... Hope kind of take uh, Cassie under her wing. Mm-hmm. And I I could see, you know, Wasp, who whatever they decide to name Cassie, whether it's Ant-Man or whatever it is, I think they'll kind of be two of the new Avengers that we have for these next couple of phases. Right. Because that's kind of the road that they seem to be going on is... <clears throat> killing off all of our current Avengers with the exception of Sam Wilson. Or at least moving... Well, Sam's in. taking over for Caps. So yeah. I guess that's safe for him, but you're right. It's, you, know, you know, like, like everybody you else gotta is... You got to get that new generation of uh, mm-hmm. Avengers in there. Yeah. So I I wouldn't be surprised if we get like a younger event. This is going to lead to like a younger Avengers and everything. And then again, I want... I mean, obviously we know Kang's going to survive or whatever, you know, because we know he's the big bad for the next two phases mm-hmm. and everything. I, I just hope that he stands out and he is at least equivalent to Thanos. I could see that. You know, so that's going to be a huge, it's going to be, that's going to be Jonathan majors. He's really good. Yeah. No, he's very, I'm not, I have nothing against the actor. I'm just saying that's going to be interesting to see yeah. because what we, we first saw Thanos at the end of the first Avengers, but we didn't see him again until guardians. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So like, are we going to see Kang and then we're not going to see him for, for three movies? Like, well, we, I mean, so, we already saw him once. We, right. In what? Rewind. Did you watch Loki? No. Okay. So at the end of Loki, they, they encounter a being called He Who Remains, played by Jonathan Majors. Mm-hmm. And Jonathan, his character's main goal was to keep 
the timeline and the multiverse into one thing. Yeah. At the end of it, though, spoiler alert for Loki, he even says, he's like, you know, you don't want to meet my variants. They're terrible. Like, I'm, I'm the good one. Like, I'm trying to keep everything in line so bad things don't happen. We find out that he has a variant who is Kang the Conqueror. Gotcha. And yeah. so that was our first intro to both Jonathan Majors and the idea of Kang. Yeah. So <clears throat> that, that's what Ronnie's referring yeah. to. Gotcha. So, uh, again, I'm just hoping that we get just as big of a bad, uh, you know, like I said, equivalent to Thanos, if not greater than, because I mean, in all reality, King of the Conqueror is a bigger villain than Thanos is. Oh yeah. You know, so I, I have hopes just based off of the first two Ant-Man movies that this movie is going to be a good movie, if not a great movie. All right, Sean, I guess I'd be, I, I don't know if I'm looking forward to it. I don't know if I expect it, but I have a feeling this may be the most interesting of the Ant-Man movies mm. because you're obviously, as you guys have said, you're introducing a villain who is going to be the basically villain of the phase, you know, at least phase four. And you said into phase five, he's, he's even rumored to be the villain. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, mm, I don't remember. remember off the top of my head. Yeah, because at the end of the phase, it's... One of the things like Kang's dynasty. Okay. So I mean, he's got to be. So so he. I mean, this is going to set up the future of yeah. the cinematic universe. So, uh, to me, that's. I would hope this movie is going to be a little more epic. Yeah. Than the first two Ant Man movies were because the the Ant Man movies were, I guess you could say, at least the first one was again it was a small crime, you know, action you know crime comedy, and the second one had a little more to it. So I feel like this one will be maybe a little bigger. Maybe this will be the Thor Ragnarok of yeah. of the series or the Captain America Winter Soldier of the series. You know, same director. So it's been the same director for all three movies, which is good. You know, you get the continuity there. Mm-hmm. And all the actors have been the same, really. So I hope they don't kill Paul Rudd off because I like Paul Rudd. Oh, yeah. But I understand why they would do it because everybody's being replaced. And mm-hmm. Hawkeye's gone. You know, Tony's gone. Cap's gone. You know, they're all gone. I mean, I don't know. Are we ever going to see Hulk again? I don't, I don't know. Yeah. So, you know, it makes sense. And it'll be a bummer. Hopefully they do it in a... Not unheroic way? Yeah. I mean, you don't want it to be like a... Oh God! I can't believe they just did that. You kind of want to see it coming, I guess. Yeah, I'd he rather needs, it be he needs to do the, the heroic sacrifice for one. The heroic for sacrifice for one of those people. Yeah, I don't want it to be like thrust upon us. Like all of a sudden, boom! Yeah. He's dead. It's oh yeah, just, no, no, can't do that. Yeah, I want him to be like, okay, I know you're gonna die. Yeah, just how you're gonna do it? Do we think we're gonna get any cameos? I don't think so. I think that this movie's gonna be so contained yeah. to the quantum realm that we're not gonna be able to see. I, I like because the trailers make it seem like you know. He, obviously, in the outside world, he's like famous now. He's like a celebrity. Yeah. Like you see him at like a black tie event with Wasp. So I could see maybe in the beginning a couple of cameos, but once like the movie really gets who, to the who com- would you expect to? I'm just curious. Who would you expect to see? I could see maybe a, a Sam Wilson cameo. Okay. I think yeah. that would be fun. Like him trying to get him like, hey, I'm trying to rebuild the Avengers because that's the rumor for New World Order is mm-hmm. his Captain America movie that he's trying to get the Avengers back together. Because yeah. that's thing where you get a Julia Louis Dreyfus cameo because apparently she's like in every freaking. She's yeah. in everything now. Yeah, seriously. Because they're gonna. She's in the. She's gonna be in the. It's the Thunderbolts. Thunderbolts. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know. Let's jump into fan feedback Friday before we end. So this one was a little bit different. This was more for producer Melanie than for anybody else what are your thoughts on the last of us episode one so for those of you guys who don't know the last of us just came out i don't think either of you guys have watched it correct Negative. so uh, the general consensus and i'll just kind of say it is awesome 
and that's what most of the responses were, except for the one who said, I did not watch it yet, but I will. But <laughs> producer Melanie loved it. It is a great, great video game adaptation and a great I show. So it's I, a video game, right? It's Netflix, yeah. right? HBO Max. HBO Max. So, uh, yeah, highly recommend it. Maybe at the end, I'll try and convince producer Melanie to jump in on an episode to <laughs> talk about it. You say that to her face. Anywho. The ha? Huh? I'll just say hi to her face. She'll like that. She'll find the funny. So don't forget, if you guys want to participate in Fan Feedback Friday, you can find us on all social media from Facebook to Instagram to Twitter to TikTok. Just type in the Multiverse Fancast or the Misfit Faction. Odds are you'll find some of our stuff. And make sure you check out some of our other shows. If you want more Sean, check out Cinematic Adventures. If you want more Ronnie, check out A Therapist. (laughs) Or MF Uncensored. Wait, why would they check out A Therapist to get more of me? Don't worry about it. All right, so that's going to wrap us up for today. As always, I'm Paul. I'm Ronnie. I'm Sean. And we'll be back in a flash. See ya.